Byron, unmute your mic. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Um, listen, my name is Byron, real estate investor out of Houston, Texas, primarily focused on the wholesale space, do a little bit of creative finance, fix and flip, new construction, new to the build to rent space. Definitely excited. Listen, through all of the different <laughs> uh, technical difficulties, bear with us because we're getting ready to have a phenomenal show. And the reason why this show is going to be so phenomenal, right, is because we're talking about the rumored interest rate drops that the Fed are looking to put in place for 2024, right? Now, we have people on both sides of this argument. We got people who feel like this is not going to happen. All of this is cap. Right. And we are not going to see any interest rate drops anytime soon or that will be in any significant level enough to be able to make a big difference. Right. We have that issue. But on top of that, on top of that, we have other investors like myself who ex who are excited about the potential of being able to get buyers to uh, be able to purchase property at sub six, five. 4% interest rates again. I don't know if we'll ever see those kind of numbers again, but the, the possibility of that taking place will have dramatic, dramatic effects on the market in the way that we know it today. So we're going to have this conversation. We have some, some amazing, brilliant minds that are going to join us on this conversation. So you do not want to miss it. You do not want to miss it. So make sure um, you share this out. Make sure you share this out because we finna get this. We finna get this party started. Where my guy O'Neal at, man? Oh, yo, what's up? What's up? What's up, man? I'm excited about today's conversation. Yeah, know. man. What 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 you think about this, man? It's crazy because you know, legislative interest rates do drop again. Hopefully, they will. They still don't have enough inventory in the market, man. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. You know, it's gonna be a crazy situation, but I'm excited about it because I I'm, I got crazy interest rates right now. I got nine percent. I got seven. I got eight percent. So, if you can still make money in this market today, I feel your real real estate investing is gonna only be better for you. If the interest rates do go down. So, uh, I'm excited about today's conversation. We got a lot of experts coming in. We are talking about developers. We got realtors. We got commercial side people. We got uh, developers. We got a, a lot of different people. We we'll hear a lot of different perspectives. We got lenders. So, I love to hear the conversation from different aspects and see uh see where it goes, B. Absolutely. Man, well, I ain't gonna waste a whole lot of time because we have a lot to cover. Um, we have a ton to cover. So I want to I want to go ahead and get to our first guest. Um, first of many guests today. Uh, we got Patty in the building. Shout out to Patty. Energy, you know, man. It's gonna be good energy today. Yeah, we got Patty in the building. Listen, and here's the deal. For you people who think that Patty is regular, I just wanted to let y'all understand that Patty is not regular. She's one of the top lenders in the nation. One of the top lenders in the nation. So we're not talking about people who do this theoretically. You know, everybody know everything can be done theoretically. Now, she do this in real life, right? She has real life experience, right? Um, and she knows how to articulate this conversation beautifully. Um, and 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 also, Patty has some differences of opinions, right? So we got some, we got some developers that's going to be coming in that's going to be speaking more so on a more optimistic view. Patty doesn't share that as much. And I'm interested to hear Patty's perspective on this. But before we do this, Patty, can you please introduce yourself to the people who may not know, the people who may have been living under a rock somewhere? Mm -hmm. um, can you introduce yourself to those people? Definitely. Thank you guys so much for having me. 
Um, my name is Patty Goodspeed. I've been a mortgage banker for now 21 years. Um, I am ranked as one of the top 100 women in mortgage across the country. Um, that comes from production. It's not paid placement or you know social media runs. Um, it's because of my numbers. And I'm really fortunate that we will break 100 million again this year. And in December alone, I have, I'm projected to close over 18.8 million. So I share those numbers with you guys because the experience I have um, in transactions and managing a high volume and doing business under several different circumstances with different markets is why I'm here. Um, I survived the 2007 and eight crash. And I think if it wasn't for what I went through in 2007 and eight, I would not have had the perspective I did during COVID and post COVID. So my opinion comes from 21 years of experience and doing a lot of transactions. So I'm required to understand what's happening in the economy on a day-to-day -day basis so I can properly advise people and of course, get my job done. So thank you guys for having me. I love it. I love, love it. Love it. Appreciate that. We got uh, one half of women in real estate. We got Ms. Kalani Blackwell. Yes, indeed. Hey guys, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Where, where are you coming in from today? I know you be your world traveler. Yeah, yeah, it's Vegas. It's four fifty one. So, Patty oh, and it's I a beautiful the, time. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You got a quick in, in, introduction for us? Yeah, I'll keep it super quick. Uh, Kaylani Blackwell, co-founder of Women in Real Estate, uh, started my career about eight years ago. Early on, uh, fix and flip space ran a large scale fix and flip operation, single family fix and flip operation turned commercial real estate broker at one of the top firms in the in the world uh, with an emphasis in multifamily investment sales. And now I'm the co-founder of Women in Real Estate. And it is our mission to shorten the learning curve, bring access to resources, information, connectivity, events to women in the business to help them accomplish their goals and create generational wealth for themselves and their families. So that is my life's mission to help everybody. So good morning. Thank you for having me. Love it, love, love it, love it. Man, we got Brittany, the other half of women in real estate founders in the building. What's going on, Brittany Rose? You may mind doing a quick introduction for the people. Uh-oh, you're muted. You're muted. There Can't we go. Right. It's too early. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my name is Brittany Rose. I am between Houston and DC, also co-founder of Women in Real Estate. Um, and, you know, Kilani said most of it, we're here, we both have our own individual missions, but we service them through women in real estate and helping women um, grow real estate businesses or, or grow their personal investment in real estate. I'm also an emerging developer with my first project here in Houston, Texas, and um, also a fund manager. So focused on raising money from everyday people to help revitalize black and brown communities. I love it. We got some amazing women in the, in the room today, dog. Yes, indeed. Powerful yes, indeed. women. Yes, I'm indeed. Excited. So, so, so what, ladies, what's your thoughts about this? Well, let's kick it. I know Patty's on some time constraints this morning. Let's kick it to her and so, feed off of that. Patty, well, what's your thoughts? What's your thoughts about this news? We, well, we I mean, you. so Byron said that I'm, you know, I'm not, I would never, ever call myself, you know, anything other than an optimist. I am an optimist. But what my reaction was yesterday when you guys hit me up about the show was that all I saw was a bunch of realtors across several different markets posting the screenshot of the headline. 
Um, this is exactly why we started the truth behind the headlines because people take headlines and then they run with it. And everyone, we're designed in the universe of the internet to take a headline, get excited, show a reaction to it, to draw, to create some sort of conversation, right? And there's always a depth to it. And I tend to linger in the depth of these conversations, not in the headlines. So I think that's where my opinion is going to be different from other people's in that you see a headline that says the rate, the Fed is saying that they're going to cut rates six times in 2024. Uh, that is not what the Fed said. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, specifically said on Friday that he is does not think that the monetary policy has been sufficiently restrictive and it's absolutely too soon to make any predictions about rate cuts. And I think fundamentally, fundamentally understanding what the rate cut does, it does the exact opposite of what a hike does. A hike slows down the economy and constricts the money supply. Cutting the rates puts more money into the money supply and is used to generally as a stimulus to balance. So if you if you've if you followed what's happening with the Fed, you heard that these hikes, Jerome Powell has stated that they believe that they can achieve what's called a soft landing. So what that means is you're seeing GDP numbers are very healthy. So you're seeing that the country is making money or there's growth happening. There's, you know, we're not in a, we're not headed into some great depression according to the, according to the cringy aspect of Bidenomics. So what's happening is you think, hey, things are going well and the Fed rate hikes have not crashed the economy like many predicted that they would. So what's going to happen is, is the economy slowing down enough to where a rate cut would be justified. Because what we don't want is we don't want the lingering impacts of a high interest rate environment to slow down the economy to the point of detriment that would create a massive recession, right? So if we're talking about six cuts in 2024, I want you to understand that at an unemployment rate of 3.9%, um, that is not really likely. So what you're looking at is a chart that, that shows predictions. It's kind of like if we got together right now and we talked about who's going to win the Super Bowl. And if we all said that we were sure that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl, like I have been for the lap for the, my entire life, right? We don't know if that, if that statement that the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl has any merit based on facts, right? What we do know is that the probability is high based on their performance in the regular season. But once we get into the playoffs, we're going to figure out if the 49ers are going to make it to the chip. So that's that's the situation that we're in right now. That's as value. This information is being circulated as though the Fed's made the decision to cut rates six times in 2024. That could not be the furthest thing from the truth. So that distinction has to be made. And then we have to understand why rate cuts would occur. It would be to prevent going in a very negative direction in the economy so that we can stimulate the economy and put more money into it. There's a big risk a very big risk with rate cuts. And that is that if you get activity going crazy again, like we saw between 2021 and early 2022, you're going to have a serious inflationary problem on your hands, which is still at, at the root level, not even solved. So, I mean, there is a lot to talk about and there's a lot to unpack on that. Um, but if any of you did receive my email that's in the audience or even on stage with me, that you're going to see, I put some key events that are happening this week. And I addressed the news right on there with a chart that shows exactly when these rate cuts are predicted to occur. So a few weeks ago, after the Fed meeting and after the decision to pause rates again, and after the PCE report, 
really big shifts happened in the market. The average 30-year fix went from 8.03% down to 7.11% as of yesterday, right? So this massive shift is changing sentiment and creating a lot more optimism in the headlines. In my opinion, if every time something happens, your opinion about what's going on changes, then you don't understand what's happening fundamentally. Uh, and so that's why kind of I it seemed like I had an opposing opinion. I believe that there's an 80 there's still an 89 percent chance that we're going to see rate cuts beginning as early as summer of next year. I don't I'm not against rate cuts. But what I'm saying is to talk about it prematurely and to make a statement that the Fed has said that they're going to cut six rates next time and six times next year is just incorrect. Wow. You know, um, here's the deal. I know that it's a lot of volatility or people would say there's a lot of volatility in the real estate market right now. Um, and, you know, I my question to that is, do you think that some of this may be presumptuous because people do feel that real pressure in the market? We do see prices uh, uh, dropping on real estate properties. We do see foreclosure activity increasing. We do see uh, affordability becoming more and more of an issue throughout the country, right? Do you think that some of this may be people just excited to hear any glimmer of hope for the, you know, just the average buyer? I would love to hear Brittany's perspective on that. Um, what, what's your take on this information, Brittany, and, and some of the things that I just shared? Yeah, 100%. Like, people want hope. People want, like, an opportunity to look forward to something. I think one of the the biggest things that this conversation does is that it's, it's a type of social engineering. So mm -hmm. while Patty is right, like, you know, the facts are different from the headlines, um, perception is also reality, especially in our society and especially in the day and age of social media. So even if none of the things that are are true that our people are saying are true, the perception will still change the market. It will shift the market and people will be more likely to take that risk knowing that there's a light on the other side and that they'll be able to refinance and that the market is not going to crash and that we're all not going to die. Right. So I think that's a, that's a real sentiment. The market is feeling a lot of pressure, especially as a developer and a realtor. Like I see it all the time. Um, but it's, you know, it, 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 you just got to take it as it comes. I think any good professional can take it as it comes and can find the opportunity in the market, no matter what the rates do. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll comment on that, Byron, if that's okay. Let's so do it. the, it's the, what I'll define what, how perception is reality occurs in real estate and, and, and optimism and buyer sentiment. So again, I like to talk about what's actually happening, not the ideas of what are happening. So between August, September, and October, interest rates consistently went up week after week after week and peaked over 8%. The mortgage applications dropped to the lowest level since 1994. So what happens is when the headlines are constantly reporting interest rates getting worse and every single headline prior to this one addressed affordability, of course, that has an impact on how buyer activity, consumer activity is heavily influenced by headlines. But being in the market and doing a, a significant amount of transactions on a monthly basis, there are still lots and lots of buyers that weren't losing hope, but just saying, hey, I'm going to, there are top two reasons why buyers were hesitant. Number one was waiting for interest rates to drop. Number two was being fatigued from multiple offer situations. 
So news of interest rates reducing is what's changing buyer sentiment and seller sentiment and creating more activity. So it's very, it makes absolute sense. It's logical, right? That after three whole months of, in, of interest rates going up, and that's all the news that you're hearing, not just on a headline perspective, but you're looking at the numbers when you're getting approved for a mortgage and the interest rates are continuously going up. So it makes sense that the reaction is that there's less activity and that there are a significant amount of price reductions. So what you're referring to, Brian, is more than 16% increase in price reductions on the existing market by uh, the end of October. So what do you think happens after from October 31st through from de to December 5th, interest rates go from 8.03% down to 7.125%. There's a lag in the actual response, right? So as a result of having five consecutive weeks of good news for interest rates and people seeing the difference of five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a month in their mortgage payment, it's going to create more activity, not just for buyers, but also for sellers. So this news does create the perception of optimism for people to believe that there's going to be six rate cuts in 2024. And that essentially has a net positive effect in consumers and sellers because they're going to say, OK, if interest rates continue to drop, then there's going to be more buyers and supply can't keep up with demand. It creates price stability and more activity. So it is true that in the world of social media that we throw up ideas and people respond to it and it does make it and it creates hope. But as professionals, if we're if we're poised as professionals, I do believe that we need to understand exactly what's happening and why those reactions and why the shift in activity takes place. You're going to see and you're, what you're talking about is a slight increase in foreclosure activity. You're seeing listings stay on the market a little bit longer. You're seeing more listings come in the market at a time where historically there are less listings coming on the market and you're seeing buyer activity being constricted. Now, if the interest rates have dropped over 1% since that change, then obviously you're going to see the opposite reaction in the market over the next few months, which is good for everybody. Um, so I'll, I'll stand firm that I don't think we're going to see six rate cuts in 2024, but rate cuts have an 89% chance of happening by summer. Well, listen, um, I think this is uh, a beautiful perspective. Oh, what's your thoughts on this, man? Because I definitely want to hear Kalani's take on what she believes uh, 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 will happen, you know, as, as a result of these headlines, right? Because a lot of these people are basing it on that 89% chance that it, these things will take place. Right. Um, I want to know, like, you know, matter of fact, oh, what what is your take? What is your take on this? Do you think the the Fed will cut rates? Uh, you know, maybe six times, maybe four times. I don't know, but do you believe that they will cut rates? Um, uh, what's your what's your take on that? I think it will come down. I don't think it will come down what we believe. I don't think we're gonna see you no know, four or five percent. Holly is gonna be around the seven, maybe a little bit under seven percent. That's just my opinion because of the market was going on like they don't have enough houses um the affordable rate is still um still not making sense like people that don't make enough money still can't buy homes because they're priced out so truly i believe it's gonna probably hover around six seven percent closer to seven percent range mm. that's my opinion what, what about you Man, look, I hope it dropped, brother, because I got well, developments I hope, going on. You understand me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I got skin in the game. 
You hear me? Uh, it will drop. <laughs> yeah, I it needed to go down. I needed to go down as far as possible. If he can get the three, you understand what I'm saying? I'm gonna be a happy yeah. camper. Uh, <laughs> because so what do you think is gonna go? Where, 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 man, realistically, I think we'll end up somewhere around five. Uh, I think I think when it's all said and done, five. You know, I think that's a comfortable space. I feel like it's a fair space. Uh, I can be completely delusional, but I would love to see that. I would love to see that because I I feel like this is what I feel like, man. I don't fit. Here, here's the problems, right? I don't feel like, number one, we don't have the inventory to match. No. Listen to me, listen to me. But it's not even just the inventory in terms of sheer number. It's, it's inventory in terms of affordability. So what I mean by that is we don't have the inventory right now to match that first time home buyer that's looking to make a normal payment on a house that that you know that has a regular job making 50 60 maybe $70,000 a year household income we don't have the we, we don't have a product to match that avatar right and so demand. the demand yeah we just don't have a product for it in this market right. now now the only way we get that product is if we drop interest rates Right. So the so the existing inventory on the market can be attainable to those people. Just my thoughts. But I would love I want to defer to uh, Kalani real quick and then we'll, we'll, we'll see what Patty think about that, because I'm pretty sure she's going to have some comments on that one. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think and I, I need Patty, since she's so data driven to fact check me on the date for this. But I believe it was, you know, before interest rates um, started to get hiked. Did the Fed say that they only plan to raise interest rates 100 basis points over the year? Well, here we are several hundred basis points later. So I think everyone needs to take what they see with a grain of salt. I think my sole purpose for being here today is to, to speak for or speak to the real estate professionals that are not educated in this sector of things, right? You need to be, you need to understand what's going on here. And the, the reality is, is that home affordability and, and from a buying a, re, a retail real estate market perspective is not calculated in core inflation. They calculate the cost of shelter or rent, right? So for folks that think that um, who are, who are in this real estate industry and think that the fed funds rate and all this talk about interest rates and inflation only affects the housing market are 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 mis uneducated right miseducated right and need to get educated on what this actually means the reality is is we need a market correction that's the reality the reality is is that if interest rates uh get reduced or get cut six times next year the demand for uh the demand for housing and the buyer pool is going to significantly increase and just drive prices up which puts people in the same exact position that they're in now if not worse so i think the the conversation really needs to be hey as a professional what am i communicating to my client base how am i communicating affordability to my client base am i adding to this narrative that you know, and, and people are doing what they've always done, right? There's a little bit of, there's a glimmer of hope, a glimpse of hope. Let me go out, post social media content, let everybody know interest rates are dropping. Now's the time. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to make, if you're going to do that, make sure you walk people through this affordability issue and make sure that they're prepared to spend the money to compete in a, in a competitive market. And the reality is, is that wages are not increasing at the same rate that the, uh, the cost of housing is. So, I mean, this is not a, a this is not a, a 
a super happy moment, right? So deals are getting done, transactions are happening, but it's the people that need to transact, not just the people that want to transact. So I'm going to stop there though, because I feel like I could go on about that for a minute. Not that I'm being pessimistic about it. I want to be realistic about what's actually happening. I want to also... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Britta. Go ahead. Go ahead. Also point out that, you know, this, it can also be perceived as a warning sign to a lot of people who have been waiting on the sidelines, because what everybody's saying is accurate. Mm -hmm. If the Fed drops the interest rates, the, the housing prices are going to increase. And, it, and instead of it being a matter of you being able to afford your monthly payment, it's going to be a question of, can you compete with the people who are coming in cash? Like we, what we saw in the pandemic. So all these things are true. I think we have to just take into consideration and advise our, our buyers and our sellers of what could potentially happen. But at the end of the day, none of us have a crystal ball, right? Like we just have to be as prepared as we can, educate people as well as we can. And, and a lot of these decisions, buying decisions are based on your personal circumstances. So it doesn't matter if the interest rate is at zero. If you can't buy, if you're not in a position to buy, you, you just can't buy, right? So I think some of the conversation is, is, just conversation because you know everybody's individual circumstances are really going to dictate their personal situations love it love it love it i think that's i mean that's always the case though right and we preach um buying within your means all of the time right that's not that's who really not does that though who really does <laughs> smart that, people should do that people say, people you, that care we gotta be honest their... most people ain't buying their means Look, I can't I can't speak for most people, but this is why the um, who, who has your ear makes a big difference. That's why the loan officer that you work with and the real estate professionals that you work with make a big difference. Right. Luis said in the comments, we need a market crash. And I'm saying, no, we I said we need a correction. We don't need a crash. We need a correction because affordability is, is still a problem like inventory, for example. Um, and I'm going to I pulled up the stat just to make sure that we were accurate right now or for the month of October, um, there was one point one five million houses on the market. Um, this is up from one point one three last month, but it's still down five percent year over year. Right. Kalani, that number doesn't take into consideration properties that are already under contract. It's actually even lower than that. And that doesn't wow. surprise me at all. So there's still a heavy, a heavy, heavy demand. So cutting rates at this point, I mean, this is why people need to understand what the feds are doing has very little to do with the housing market and that we're merely affected by what happens here. Um, and that this is a different recipe. This is a different time. It's 20, this 2023, we're going into 2024. I think we will normalize higher interest rates. Are we ever going to get down to a two or 3% interest rate environment? No, but now we still have people that are sitting on their, three and 4% interest rates that don't want to move. So demand is still the issue. So people need to be very, very careful with how they communicate to their, their clients, because at this rate, I mean, we're still, we're still fighting the good fight and we will be for the, the next, you know, at least six months. I think we also have to address the fact that politics is playing a huge factor in this, oh, right? Wait. Oh, oh, oh. Talking about that. In the interest rates in the election year. Like that's, I mean, what whatever happens with the economy, that is bad optics for an election year. So like, even if it is not sound economic policy, uh, politics plays such a big factor in what they are willing and not willing to do. 
Mm. It's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to B. Rule actually last night and B. Rule will be probably pulling up here uh, a little later today as well. And he he spoke about the optics, right? The fact that we do have, you know, uh, a presidential election coming up very soon. What does that look like? You know, who's going to take credit for, you know, interest rates dropping and it looking right like we're having some economic booming taking place in the market. I want to know, Patty, you know, number one, what is your thoughts on uh, from an invest and from an investor standpoint? Um, what are your thoughts on market? Uh, uh, you know, uh, the rates, if they do drop, what will that do to the market? And then that affordability issue as well, because, you know, like I was saying earlier, it, you know, people uh, need hope because. Listen, people can't afford even matchbox houses right now. Right. So so how do we how do we fix that? Or do the government even need to play a role in that? Like, what's your thoughts on this affordability issue? Because so that's the part of the problem. Affordability, my thoughts on affordability is that affordability is not a new issue. So I think that's really an, an extremely important point that I find is always missing in the conversation, um, is that affordability is not a new issue. Affordability is a great headline, but it's not a new issue. When interest rates were between 2 and 3%, home buyers were in our rooms in Clubhouse saying that they couldn't compete that they were being outbid, that they were being outbid by cash buyers, and they were being outbid by people that were putting significantly larger down payments. The first time home buyers that make up almost 30% of almost every market that we've experienced together over the last three years have consistently been suffering from an affordability problem. Now, if interest rates were between 2 and 3% today, they would be paying 10, 15, 20% more on the sticker price for the house in many, many markets. In California, that number translates much differently than it does in Alabama, right? So you're paying significantly higher because you have to compete with a larger pool of buyers. So is it better to pay a chunk upfront in the purchase price or is it better to pay that chunk on a monthly basis because of the interest rate? Now we have a unique situation in today's market in that affordability is constrained both from the pricing standpoint because a higher interest rate for a longer period of time did not have the impact that most people thought. People were predicting a 30% crash in home prices this year. So that didn't occur. So not only do you have price stability on homes, home prices are high, you also have higher interest rates. You're, people are still comparing the payment differences at 3% versus 6 or 7%, right? So the question is, what's going to solve it? Which is going to break first, interest rates or home prices? So the, the inventory that we have right now is 40% below historic levels. Home prices are 130%, or I'm sorry, home prices are 80% higher than 130-year average. I've talked about this so many times on so many different platforms. If you take a look at where housing prices are, and it, let's just make it even a, a simpler, simpler example. Let's take a look at what $1 would buy you 50 years ago versus what $1 would buy you today. So we talked about this jokingly, talking about a cup of coffee at McDonald's. A dollar could get you enough groceries to buy to make a meal for dinner. Now a dollar doesn't get you a cup of coffee from, from McDonald's, right? So it should be 50 cents. So why is that? Inflation, right? So you're not going to solve inflation at a fundamental level to the point where you're going to see home prices across the nation 20 to 30% lower than they are today. And I would argue that if home prices were 20 to 30% lower, it would help, but it's not going to solve affordability for the majority of the people that we're talking about. 
So if you're in a situation where you are a first time home buyer and you also have lower income, you're, you're in the worst position possible for affordability. Because if you're not increasing your human capital, increasing your income or coming together with a second or third income in the household to be able to afford homes, that opportunity is going to continue to slip away. Home ownership is becoming a luxury because of affordability. So let's say that within the next 24 months, interest rates settle somewhere around 4%. So we have an average interest rate of 4%, but home prices are rising. For the majority of the group that you're talking about that can't afford to go out and buy their first home, that dip, that change of 2% in interest rates, 2 to 3% will make a significant difference, but it might not. It might not as home prices rise because we all know, um, I think Lewis made the comment, made the comment here um, as well in the chat is that if when interest rates go down, of course, you're going to have more demand and then your, your, your supply just can't seem to keep up with the demand and home prices are going to at the very worst case be stable. The appreciation level that we experienced with interest rates between two to three percent is unrealistic and unsustainable. But I think every single one of us from the perspective of investors or not can agree that we want a stable housing environment. We want home prices to remain stable. We don't want to see a 30 percent crash. So how do we maintain stability? And I think on the grand scheme of things, that's exactly what the Fed policy is designed to do. It's, it's designed to create price stability and a, an environment where people are actually working and making money. So I think the greater problem, you started with a question about investors. Now, with the inflation numbers going down, builders like you know, KZ in our community, like Brandon, um, where you guys call B-Rule. So when you, you, gentlemen like that, who are actually going out and building, builder sentiment will improve as inflation goes down and interest rates go down because their cost of borrowing and their holding costs will also improve. So that can add to the, that can help solve the inventory problem. But that's not going to be enough. The builders aren't going to have enough resources and enough time to build fast enough for the amount of properties that we need to be coming onto the market. So a dip in interest rates also helps home homeowners that are in this lock-in effect of staying in their properties come off the fence and want to sell also. So in order to solve affordability by inventory, we need more than double the inventory that we have today to see home prices go down. So it's more likely, in my opinion, that interest rates will improve. So although I don't think that we would experience six rate cuts in 2024, I 100% believe that rate cuts will occur. And I think what you guys need to know is that the mortgage rates will improve significantly before you even see rate cuts. Fed rate cuts are not directly correlated to the mortgage rate sheet. The sentiment of the market. So for example, the reason why you saw 1% reduction in interest rates is because the Fed's, the, the market stopped baking in the possibility of another rate hike. As soon as the possibility of another rate hike went down below 10% in 2023, mortgage rates significantly improved. They didn't have to cut rates to drop 1% on mortgage rates. Do you see what I'm talking about? We don't need six rate cuts to see a better mortgage rate environment. We need to see that inflation is improving and the unemployment rate is gradually inching upwards to see better interest rates by March. So affordability is is more likely to be to improve through the interest rate process reduction than to see a significant drop in home prices. Institutional buyers are not selling off as most people predicted that they would be across the country. So I'll stop there. Wow. Seems like uh, the little guy will always lose. That's what it sounds like you said to me. <laughs> the little guy, the first time home buyers has been struggling for a long time. So uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. So. 
Man, if y'all enjoyed today's content, make sure y'all put some flame in the chat. Make sure y'all like the video, share it to some friends. I think it's a beautiful, real conversation that we're having. Uh, man, we're introducing uh, memberships. So if y'all want to support the channel, y'all want to support us, you can now join memberships on this YouTube channel. Uh, you get exclusive content. You get discounts on merch. You get uh, a few other things we got working on. You get discounted price to events, et cetera. So make sure y'all join the membership that we have. We have three different levels, Trailblazer, Visionary, and Legacy. And you get different things for different um, memberships that you choose. But we're talking about developers. We're talking about different levels of real estate. So we're going to welcome to the stage Mr. Chris Senegal, a Houston legend, developer, uh, investor. We're going to add Chris, man. We're going to see what's your thoughts about this conversation, man. What's your thoughts, man? Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And uh, if you don't mind introducing yourself to the people who yeah, may man. know. Everybody should know you, but, you know, some people may not know. Yeah, no, I'm Chris Senegal. I'm a real estate investor, developer here in Houston. I, I really focus on like social impact projects, um, things that focus on communities that usually uh, go through gentrification, um, you know, kind of left by the wayside for outside outsiders to come in and do all the heavy lifting and the community doesn't look anything like it did before. So I focus on, um, you know, making sure we have a seat at the table, make sure we control the narrative of what goes on in the communities and make sure we, we maintain and gain and grow ownership. That's about it. Love it, love it. Love so, that. Chris, real, real, real quick, uh, you know, we you heard the headlines. Matter of fact, you shared the headlines. I actually saw the headlines uh, that you shared, mm -hmm. and with the potential of the Fed decreasing rates six times. Now, you know, from a from anybody who cares about things like affordability, anybody who cares about uh, you know just overall social impact and and and, and housing. Uh, 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 affordability in any of that world, right? Mm -hmm. That has to be exciting news for somebody like you who is actively building units uh, for affordability purposes specifically, right? So you're addressing the problem specifically. Um, was this exciting news? Are you side-eyeing this news? What is your take on this, this, this news? Well, I mean, it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's, it's, it's more like a, a weather forecast, right? They say it's going to rain, could be 50%. So we don't know if it's certainly going to happen yet. But the, the benefits of it from my perspective is, um, you know, so not only do I do development myself, but now I'm teaching other people how to do new construction, how to do responsible um, uh, redevelopment in our communities. And we want to make sure that everybody I'm teaching has enough buyers at the table. So a lot of a lot of people do have the capital to to buy a house right now, especially in the, the, the very affordable area where there's there's still these thirty thirty thousand dollar down payment assistance programs, but the the the, the news the, the 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 social conversation has has well, made them weary of going to get that interest rate right now eight percent, even though we're going to skip over the fact that this is the normal interest rate. If you look at the history of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac mortgages since the beginning of government backed loans, we're we're right at right at normal. You know uh, that dip that we had down to three and all that that was that was an anomaly. So we're back in a normal interest rate market, but now the psychology of the consumer and the buyer is back where it needs to be. Um, so now we'll be able to get more people into these homes um, quickly. And uh, for, for instance, like some of the projects I do, the banks I work with, they'll they'll fund 100% of whatever property I have a, a purchase contract on with with an approved buyer. So these people now feel more comfortable going to get approved. That, that allows us to build more houses and put more people in homes and neighborhoods and control more of it versus letting the land sit and letting somebody from outside come buy it up. And then and then we were upset that we didn't get a chance to uh, have ownership, you know? Wow. 
Wow. So from your perspective, you think that this is definitely a move in the right direction. Do you do you have any, I guess, skepticism on whether or not this will take place? And then also, if you do, do you believe that, um, if, you know, if you do have any skepticism, right, what rate do you think we will most likely end up on just based on your understanding of the market? Uh, I, Yeah. Like I said, with the presidential election and all those, all these other factors coming in right now, it's still somewhat speculative. But it's I feel like it's a it's a safe bet, right? It's it's a bet that's hedged uh, against the, the length of time that it's taken to get to this point, uh, with so many so many folks' eyes on this and the importance of the U.S. economy stabilizing. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. It would easily one one percent um, drop in mortgage rates over the next. 18 months is, is feasible, practical, and ho hopefully we get more out of it. Um, but I also want to remind everybody on here, don't get caught up on that mortgage rate so much. Don't get caught up on it. You pay one extra payment a year. You pay an extra $100 on your note every month. It's just like you have a very low interest rate. You, you, you could. You, your time to pay oh, that's a great perspective oh, right now. Don't. Right now is still the best time to buy. Because if you buy right now while rates are high and a lot of people are not buying, you're going to get a better deal on what you, what you buy. Because... The, the sellers, the builders are trying to get inventory off the market. They are buying down points right now, which means they will pay for you at closing to get a lower interest rate for a year, two years, three years. Um, and what happens is once these rates do drop, then you can go and refinance and still capture that low equity. So you'll get a better price in a less competitive market. And then you refinance later and get the same interest rate everybody else has. So and you got a better deal. You got a better deal. Yep. So if, if you can afford to buy now, I suggest that, that, you, that you do look at it. Um, for, like I said, for, from my perspective, it becomes more of a seller's market once the interest rates drop. So that's a, that's a win for the other side of the table I'm thinking about. But I'm just, you know, want both people to look at both sides of the coin. I agree with that. I agree with that. So we're going to bring another another face to the screen, man. Another Houston legend, landlord, uh, multifamily owner, also educator, Section 8 God. We got a notch in the building. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, man? If you can, a little quick introduction, man. Can you hear me? Know who you are. What's, yeah, what's going on? Good. good morning. Yeah, uh, Onaje Barnes, long-term buy and hold real estate investor. So uh, I'd like to buy property to keep long-term. So I'm always uh, concerned about interest rates because I'm trying to lock in for cheap at all times, right? That's how I improve our cash flow. Um, great conversation today, everybody. Yes, indeed. So, Anaja, what's your thoughts about uh, this interest rate hopefully dropping in the next 12 months? You think it's true? You think it's false? You think it's going to help the market, hurt the market? Uh, so, what's your thoughts? So, one, I'll just start with the idea. Like, first and foremost, most of the articles that have come out, I mean, these are just people guessing and hoping, right? Like, if you kind of read through who's talking and who's saying this, I mean, the same people come out every couple, you know, they've been coming out all year. So they, they, these same people are saying race is going to drop this year. So for me, I just got to go off of what the Fed is saying. And this particular Fed chairman has been um, uh, pretty open about what he's going to do um, versus previous Fed chairmen being a little bit more coy. So he's been pretty uh, consistent. Um, what I don't think, I, I think Chris kind of hit on a few things. I was listening in. Number one, um, there's just a difference between what we want to happen as consumers 
and what they're likely gonna do, right? They they are a steward economy and in the whole. And right now they're they're more concerned about inflation than anything. They're not concerned about the housing market as much as we are, unfortunately, right? Um, they're concerned about inflation. And I just don't see some of these articles saying, oh, they're gonna drop rates four to six times. I don't buy that at all. Um, to be frank, uh, you know, I would like that to happen, right? But I just don't buy it. I think that just spikes up inflation again, right? We still don't have enough inventory. I still think they might be looking for more contraction, to be frank. Um, so I don't think they're going to raise rates. But right now, if you go off of what he actually said and what the Federal Reserve is really talking about and the data that they're looking at, at I, I don't think rates are going to drop. Some of these are going oh, to get two rate drops in the first quarter. I, I don't buy that at all. Um, but in reality, they're likely going to drop a little bit. Um, and depending upon how they roll this out, we could see a spike um, in housing prices again, which I don't think is, is healthy. I think Chris mentioned a couple things that I think is smart for some people and, and something that I'm thinking about hard, right? Right now, in this moment today, you could get you can mess around and get a good deal right you can mess around and get a good deal on a house when i say good deal i'm talking about price point wise right and if you're a long-term thinker right you're saying okay i believe this neighborhood is naturally going to be at uh, 200,000. if i can get a house or a flip or whatever at a hundred thousand they have this whole concept about slow flipping if you're a flipper right when you get in now you hold it for a little bit you wait till the, the market gets more into a sell, uh, selling friendly zone and then you sell, right? Or like myself, you know, you in, may only cash for one, three or 400 bucks. Interest rates go down in the next couple of years or whatever. Then you refinance and your cash flow goes up. I mean, I've ran my business that way a lot over the years, refinancing when it makes sense um, and just being ready about knowing what my strategy is, right? I think that's the key for any investor out there. Um, but overall, we have to be real clear. Um, you know, that I, I'm not I'm not positive the Fed is going to be super aggressive the way some people are hoping they are. Right. And the last point, again, I'm going to just reiterate is that what we witnessed the last couple of years were historic low interest rates. Like, look at the graphs. Interest rates were never that low ever in history, right? So this idea that we're going to go back to a rate environment that was at the same level, like the lowest point in history, I, I don't think is uh, I don't think is realistic at all. Um, I know people will talk about election and all that kind of stuff. Historically, the Fed has been very independent of of the executive branch. Only under forty five did the Fed not be independent of the executive branch. So again, this 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 conversation around oh it's election season, so therefore they, I mean we have to understand how our government is broken out, and historically, I don't see see this federal uh, federal chairman trying to say neutral six. That's that's just how I see it. Wow, interesting stuff. I, it's funny because Patty was talking about um, you know she doesn't see the fed dropping the rates much right so she mentioned that as well um but you know it's it's a lot of you know it's a lot of people that are optimistic about that happening and for good reason for good reason but then some people may feel like it's a bad thing so anybody on stage i want to know does anybody see uh 
market that is damaged as a result of them dropping interest rates. Um, do you see that as a negative uh, impact on the overall uh, market? You know, if they drop the rates, anybody feel that way? Or do you feel like we need to drop it just for affordability purposes alone? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to say I think it's going to harm some things. I think dropping them too quickly, it doesn't affect affordability. You drop rates, then you create competition, which then adversely affects affordability. So I think I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we're talking we have these little moments and glimpses of of hope for our clients and our client base and our, you know, our own projects. But the, the key here is really to seek the right opportunity, right? So if you're uh, serving, right, if you're not the developer, you're not the environment, but you're a realtor, you're a broker, you know, you're, you're serving, you're serving clients that need help, right? I need help. There is going to be deals to be done because deals are getting done. Patty just said she's funding 18 million this month. Deals are getting done. Properties are trading, but those, those, those sellers and those people that are, um, are buying or excuse me the sellers they're in need they may be in need there may might be some distress let's be honest no one's gonna just move because they feel like moving i think the luxury market is probably in its own little you know world there operating how it, how it works but for the average everyday american i mean no one's gonna come and move off of a four percent interest rate because they just woke up and felt like it one day so we need to yeah. be finding sellers that are in distress helping people where it makes sense and encouraging buyers to continue to buy in their means right when they have these glimpses of a lower interest rate could it help absolutely could they also be competing and paying more out of pocket absolutely so, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to take a, a larger, a bigger picture, right? There's a there's a bigger picture at play here. What do people do when housing is not affordable anymore and it's getting there? That's more so the conversation we need to be having versus are we going to have six, you know, rate cuts in the next year? No, we're not. <laughs> well, listen, I ain't gonna lie. I can't help myself. I want rates to drop right now because I got development going up right now. I need my prices to be right. I want to know something mm -hmm. real quick, though, because I know we got uh, Chris here. Chris, um, here, here's the here's the problem, right? So I know here in Houston, I can only speak for Houston, um, but I feel like right now, if we are going to, this is my issue with rates going all over the place. If they could just keep it somewhere stable, that'd be great, right? And not mess with it too much, um, not print as much money. I ain't asking for them to print a bunch of money, but then don't turn around and then be throwing the rates all over the place either because this is what I'm seeing in the real, real market in terms of development, right? And I, and I want to get Chris in on this, Chris. So right now, you know, when you're looking at developing a product, right, and the interest rates, let's say the interest rates are low right now and the interest rates may shoot back up. And then, you know, that based on uh, interest rates, that's going to affect the affordability, therefore, which will affect your price overall and if you knew that you were going to have to you know uh have a lower price then maybe you would have built a different product for the market meaning maybe you would have cut a garage maybe you would have uh you know gave them a little less backyard and, and 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 shrunk it down or whatever whatever you have to do to make that property not only affordable but also profitable at the same time and when you have interest rates going up down all over the place how do you prepare from an investor standpoint how do you prepare for that uh, a couple of things one, one thing i do is, is I, I start uh pre-selling and marketing what i'm building before i get started and that way i have my preferred lenders at the table for my buyers i, I want to have everything locked in so that 
Um, I know who the buyer is. I know that buyer's qualified, and I know what interest rate they're going to be at way before closing. I don't want to. I don't want to go through six nine months of development and get to the closing table and just start offering the product. And not what, what that pre-selling look like, Chris? Like, how how do you actually do that? You get a good a realtor and say, "Hey, go sell my property." What's that pre-selling process really look like? Because I don't think people really understand that. So I take architectural renderings. So I, I take the floor plan, the site plan. I go out and pick all the materials, what color the countertop's going to be, the paint, the flooring, uh, what the bathroom's going to look like, what the lighting's going to look like, and I go have uh, somebody uh, somebody does CAD drawings or the architect themselves do a 3D realistic imagery of the entire property. So they look at it and when you hold it next to the real picture of my properties, you can barely tell which one is a, which which one is a drawing, which one is real. But that that gives a visual representation of what's going to be built before it gets started. Those same people can go walk another project that I've done either I've done myself or my contractor has done somewhere else so they can see the quality of the build. So it takes all the guesswork out of it. And you also sell them on the point that hey, if you get in now, there's no competition because, you know, this product is not listed. Right. So you have all those factors and that takes a whole lot of a lot of the back end guesswork out. Number one. Number two, whatever I'm building, I'm making sure the numbers work. If I have to hold it, refinance it, um, hold it as a rental for a year or two, let interest rates stabilize, um, sell it when I get ready or maybe package it, get them all rented up, sell them as a package uh, to an an, an institutional investor or just another investor in town that has the capital to buy it. So the multiple exit strategies definitely applies here and you can't let interest rates again, you can't, you can't let that be your hindrance. You should have a decent enough profit margin where your worst case scenario, you're at a break even, um, you know, sell part of it, hold some of it, something like that, but just, you gotta be. So, uh, so, so real quick though, Chris, when you're making those, those builder decisions, right? So let's say for instance, you're in that architectural phase, right? Are you making special, you know, cuts, right to just kind of guarantee that profitability are you just building you know based on what's in the market like what what what's going into those decisions for you knowing that we have a lot of market rate volatility taking place right now well you can do things like take something that may have been a standard and make it an option like if you want if you're planning to do wood throughout maybe do carpet in the bedrooms um lower the grade of the countertops uh, the flooring as well add those things as upgrades so that you know you're not overspending and no matter what the market condition is but outside of that um i try once i stick with a plan i try not to change it too much just move forward with it you know let plan a be plan a and just have different exit strategies on the back end versus changing the project throughout the throughout the process i got a, i got a question for patty with this situation with this pre-sale thing so let's just say somebody uh puts a house on the contract pre-sale is that interest rate locked in let's just say it takes six months to build a property and they put it on the contract month one is that interest rate locked in for that whole six months or is it going to change throughout that time yeah they can they have the option of locking in a long-term lock i would never recommend that right now because interest rates are trending downward so yeah they can that that's a that's a great strategy i mean for people that are not in real estate that are inspired by chris i think it's the same as if you're launching a product and you do a pre-sale right you're guaranteeing the buyer so that you have an influx of capital that you can use to complete the project and you're also putting them in position to lock in a price so it's a win-win for everybody and in many markets like early last year it was really smart and like long-term locks became very popular amongst builders but right now with interest rates trending downward, um, I would say a long-term lock, although it's possible, is not the best option right now. Thank you for that. Byron, I got a question for you. Uh, you know, you just getting in the building. What's your thoughts about the pre-sale model? You think it's a good thing right now, a bad thing? It would hurt your, hurt your bill product or, or what? What's your thoughts about it? Yeah, it's funny uh, you mentioned that because I that was my exact plan. I already have my 3D renders. 
uh, already done. Um, they've been done for like shoot uh, a while a now. now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So, so soon as I got the go ahead that the city was going to allow me to build what I wanted to build, I went ahead and got the 3D renders. I got a little video done. I, I went. I, I did the most. And the plan is to go ahead and put those up soon as we, you know, get get at least to the uh to to the uh to the uh framing, uh, framing. yeah, to the framing, yeah. That so my project is gonna go up soon as we get to framing, uh, and then I know that we've because he, here's the issue. So because I'm in a flood zone, right, and I'm gonna be releasing some some deeper content on this flood zone stuff because it's a lot of things you have to kind of take into consideration anytime you're dealing with a flood zone property. Uh, that somebody else may not have to deal with. So because of that, because of that, um, I'm going to wait till after I pass all of those uh, inspections, make sure that my grading is right, make sure all of those things pass before, you know, and I'm at the full uh, framing stage before I even put that thing up because you never know what kind of delays I may run into trying to pass that flooding department. So that's where I'm at with that. like it, I like it. So how let's let's get into some different things. How can people win with these interest rates right now? We got a lot of people here interested in starting real estate. A lot of people have properties. They're scared to refinance because the interest rate might be nine percent. Their cash flow going to drop. So, Anaji, what's your thoughts on today's market? How can somebody actually win market with these rates? Win on emotion. Right now, everybody's emotional. And, you know, emotion, and I think we all agree emotion and real estate don't work together. Right. And a lot of people are living in fear as they should, as they should be careful. But if you're strong with your uh, exit strategies, you're strong with what you're doing. This could be a good time to win. Uh, there's more multifamily, small multifamily on the market than, than I've seen in the last couple of years. I think there's going to be more coming on the market. Um, there's there's a lot of price points that are dropping. Um, I've seen a lot of, let's call it for what it is. There's a lot of builders struggling right now, right? A lot of, uh, I've seen several flippers, uh, start to lose money, right? Or they can't afford to get out of their property. They can't afford the holding costs, right? So, you know, if you're, if you're headstrong about what you're doing and in the area and the location and all that kind of stuff, and you know, and you're a marketplace expert and you know what you can cash flow at as an investor, Right. Don't let everybody the noise, you know, deter you. Right. Use that to your advantage. Right now, we're in December, December, historically, December, January. Um, it's historically um, one of the lower times of the year anyway. Interest rates are still high. So right now is actually a pretty good time as an investor to be super aggressive. Right. To jump in, uh, jump in over other people. Right. Uh, catch somebody slipping, as I like to call it. Right. Catch another investor slipping, right? You know, their loss could be your gain. You know, you got investors that probably finished a product around, let's say, August or something and or July, and they're still holding on struggling. And there's a certain point where, as an investor, you're going to drop that price as low as you can if you start to lose money, right? So you can jump in if you're watching the market, especially, not again, I'm talking about resale, right, type of property. If you're watching, I mean, for me, that's why I've always liked resale because, you know, somebody can take a bath. The bank that relies on that. 
Absolutely. Listen, we got Andre. We got my guy Andre. Um, but I think he's at the gym right now. Uh, Andre Bernard. He's also a developer in Houston, Texas. He's here. Hey. I would love. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't think he's able to to uh, to be on camera right now, but I would love to get his take on, you know, what he heard about the interest rates potentially dropping, and is this exciting news? Right? Is this exciting news for him as well? Because you know, as developers, we always gonna clap when the interest rates drop. I mean, especially if you're in the middle of a project. You know what I mean? If you're in the middle of a project, you do not want interest rates to uh to continue to uh um. Uh, yeah, you don't want interest rates to continue to go up. But I think he had dropped off. Did we get him back? Yes, we got him. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you clearly. What's going on, Andre? Uh-oh. Hello, hello. You're like you're on that treadmill, man. Yeah, you're on the treadmill. Yeah. Do we need to come back? Can you hear me? Can you yeah, hear me? we can hear you. Yes. Uh oh, I think we lost him. We'll come back. Yeah. (laughs) Can I can I add something, Byron? Yes, please. So I think that this is important to understand. Bam said (laughs) T-Mobile. Well, I no, I just I want to stress the importance of your underwriting. So whether you're a developer, whether you're buying multifamily, whether you're looking to fix and flip single family, whether you're looking to buy and hold, you do not underwrite to variables. Right. This is where a lot of people got into trouble. So when interest rates were super, super low, two or three percent. And Anajay, we've talked about this at length on Clubhouse. But when interest rates were super low, everyone wanted to raise money. Everyone wanted to syndicate. Everybody wanted to buy everything and did not underwrite for this when the data has shown us that we were headed toward a market cycle, right? So if you are new in this space, you do not underwrite to variables, but then they say, well, then I get, you know, beat on deals, right? Then I can't really compete on deals. Well, then find another way to go direct to seller. You, you compete less when you're direct to seller and when you're direct to seller and you and, and depending on that specific buy box that you're targeting, again, regardless of asset class, asset type, right, you negotiate to the numbers that you know work and you do not fudge on them. So, yes, take the, the emotion out. Stick to your numbers. Let's 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 take a quick commercial break. Then I want to figure out how can we underwrite these deals in multiple ways so we can have multiple exit strategies. I don't think a lot of people understand that. And a lot of people lose in real estate because they only underwriting one strategy and they don't know what to do with the houses and sit on the market for three three to six months let's go to a quick commercial break real quick what's up y'all so most people struggle with sales a lot of us in real estate and we struggle with our sales we struggle with follow we struggle with leads and we're just basically missing out on deals for me i just got on taskify crm they send messages out for you and look a lot of us have work when you get off of work you have hot leads ready for you make sure you check out taskify crm i'm telling you it automatically replies for you and look, it sends you multiple messages. Like we're talking about drip, drip campaigns, so you're not missing up on the lead follow-up. So make sure you check out Taskify CRM. Use coupon code NoStingyEnergy to get 10% off. I'm about to show y'all inside my CRM so I can see how it really works. Make sure y'all check it out. Peace. Let's go to Chris real quick. So when you're doing a new development, Chris, like how many different ways are you underwriting your deal so you know at the end of the day, if it does sit on the market for three, four months, you can keep it for a year, refinance, or et cetera. So how many different exit strategies do you have for your new development? Uh, infinite exit strategies. I'm talking to my, my short-term rental people to ask them to 
uh, you know, pull data on what the what the daily rates are, what the occupancy level is, uh, what you know, what percentage of the month they're usually booked. I'm looking at I have my realtors. I usually have two or three different brokers competing for the listings to give me data on what sales prices are, what demand is, how much inventory is in there, how long are the properties sitting. I want to see everything going up. It's got to be going up pretty uh, significantly. I don't even like going to stagnant markets where houses are, you know, you're going to get this much and there's a lot of competition, but prices aren't going up. Cause like what y'all said earlier, if my expenses go up, my costs go up, that price is going to be right where it is. So that every time that, that, that Delta is going to decrease, my profitability goes down. Um, I'm looking at, you know, what, what's in the area as far as if, I, if I'm at a price for under 350 per door um, in Houston, like 378 per door, I'm making sure that uh, the, the mortgage lenders in that area have that down payment assistance program. Somebody that may have the money, when interest rates are lower, may not afford that house no more. When interest rates go up, they may qualify for down payment assistance. Um, yeah, I'm looking at uh, carrying costs in the area. I'm, I'm looking at other things too, like, uh, I mean, Byron's price point is probably good, but some areas I try to stay out of the flood zones. I know the, my buyer's pool is going to shrink because their, their property insurance is going to be higher unless we build it up off the ground, which is going to cost me more on my construction side. So I'm looking at all those different factors usually on, on uh, that's on the, you know, on the builder investor side um on the buyer side y'all gotta look at the same thing y'all gotta say can if if i can't afford this mortgage payment can i rent this place out to somebody does it look like there's a demand for long-term renters in this area does do i have the capital to go furnish the place or leave my furniture in it and put it on short-term rental if i need to um or can i just sell it can i just sell it and at least break even without going into a deficit so th those are the ways i underwrite um now I don't want to try to teach everybody on here to do it yourself. Hire the damn experts, get the broker, get, get the, the property manager, get the short-term rental specialist to give you feedback. If you want to in the end decide to do it on your own, that's okay. But you're not about to try to learn it with the biggest investment most humans make in their lifetime. You want to use experts for that. I love it. I love it. What about you, Anaji? When you buying these multifamily properties or single family, uh, what multiple different ways are you analyzing your deals to make sure it makes sense if worst case, yeah i mean so for me uh it, you know i'm underwriting up front if i can't cash flow up front and again when i say cash flow i mean i'm talking you know if i one we want to buy with equity up front you want to buy with cash flow up front right i want to feel very very strong that i can cash flow it right and so my default probably is my number one strategy is default i'm going to be it can i do a government program at the end of the day, like worst come to worst, can I rent this out on a government program and cash flow? Right. I'm not buying nothing I can't do that with at the worst. Right. At the best, I could sell tomorrow and make a, a gang of money or I can market rate it or you can short term rental or whatever. Right. But we're we're just like Chris said, we're using professionals. Right. Typically, I mean, I've got access to the MLS and whatnot. So, you know, I run my own data and things of that nature. Um, so we're vertical on the exits on the exit side i feel very confident about you know how i run my numbers and that's what i'm buying up front and i think the key is to be to be frank we got to make sure that whatever your exit strategy works right now right and into the future and for a lot of us if selling is your only exit strategy you're likely going to be i won't say you get burned but you can get burned like that right right and so the multiple for me is refinance sale short-term rental mid-term rental long-term rental but worse i've got to be able to long-term rent this thing 
you know, at, at uh, on a government uh, housing perspective, right? At the worst, right? And that way it protects me and I can ride things out. I can ride out the market, right? If I can cash flow on a Section 8 property, even though that may not what I intended to do, even if that still works, I'm okay. And we ride out the market and refinance later or whatever. And for me, I'll be honest with you, I've always go into deals, even in a high interest rate environment. I want to stretch out those deals, right? And commercial, you know, you might only get five years or it's uh, three years or five years or seven years. I'm trying to stretch that sucker out to seven and 10 years if I can get those. And, I, and I've always been willing to pay a little bit extra for the comfort of the safety of being comfortable, right? The, the 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 consistency in my payment i'm not a bridge deck kind of guy i've used it before i don't like it it's stressing me out and add more gray hairs right right so i'm not trying to use hard money loans and, and bridge debts and things of that nature because that's temporary financing and then you're playing the crystal ball game which a lot of people are, are currently been playing and they're getting burned right by trying to predict where you think interest rates are going to be because sooner or later, your prediction is going to start to be inaccurate because you're using emotion because you're hoping where interest rates are going to be. We can't do that. So I'm going to be upfront uh, determining where my cash flow and then later down the line, if I can beat that because interest rates get better, great. If not, I'm still good. Well, I think we got Andre back. I definitely want to hear Andre's take on this as a Houston developer. I know you have several projects going up. You know, I, I would love to hear your take on number one, what's your strategy, right? In terms of what are you, what are your new developments looking like to be able to be viable in this particular market? What are you making any adjustments? What what does that look like for you? I don't think we can hear you yet. I think he's still backstage. There we go. Yes. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? We're good. Yes. Yeah, you're good now. All, all right. First of all, thank you guys for the opportunity to speak to the millions of people who's watching and listening. Uh, I'm with my, my wife and I have a morning routine after we drop off the kids with the gym. We spend some quality time together, right? So uh, that's why you see the do-rag and the hat and everything. But here's what the Yes to Real Estate team is doing. Um, we start doing this at the very beginning, and that's building small, Right. Everything we do is smaller. I know it, th what they say, everything is bigger in Texas. Well, not with the Yes Real Estate team and a new development, right? For example, shout out to Chris Senegal. He was the first one to build in Frenchtown, Fifth Ward. His property was like 1,800 square feet. Then we brought it down to 1,500 square feet, no garage. And so now we're bringing it down a step further with the Tiny Homes Courtyard Division. So what does what does that do? Well, I'm glad you asked. No, it does how the interest rates get when you have a product that's selling for two hundred and forty thousand, your opportunity and your market increase because now you, you get the 350 people who and now you get the, the smaller people and the two hundred come up to two fifty. So yes, the real estate is going smaller, right? We stand around the fifteen hundred hundred range as large as we get. And then with the tiny homes, we're doing 960 square feet, right? And we already sold like four or five of the tiny homes at 250,000. They, they give us with nine tiny homes, they give us, a, uh, we're going to make around $1.2 million off of these tiny homes just because it's smaller. But yet, even though it's smaller, we're hitting that price point 
to where it's a, it's an affordability opportunity for first time home buyers. So we, we kind of like winning on both ends. The high interest rate, people still need that 250 product. If they lower the interest rate, we just get more people and more opportunity of buyers because of the price point and the equity play. So we're going smaller. I love that. Love that. Love that. Wow. And I definitely got to get Patty's perspective on that take. And I want to get Chris's. But before we do that, I want to get Chris. Chris, what do you think about Andre's strategy in terms of uh, building a product that that will com be competitive in the marketplace regardless? Um, and he piggybacked off of some development that you did. <laughs> so that's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, I think you're on mute, Chris. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, no, that's what it's all about, man. You know, different people bring different products to the market. We don't all try to compete and bring the same thing. Um, there are a lot of people that, for instance, people that want to live in an apartment but don't want to have a wall attached to them, right, to hear the neighbors next door. That's what a tiny home uh, fills a void for. Uh, people that don't want to have a lot of yard, they don't need it. Yeah, you, you can go smaller, scale down, get something that's maintainable, manageable, utilities are less. You know, like Andre said, it's more affordable to get in. There's definitely a huge market for that. So, yeah, that that is, that is a uh, a lower risk approach to it instead of doing a speculative bigger home build. So I think it's a great model. What's your take on that, um, Patty, in terms of just we maybe, just maybe, right? The houses that we've been building for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years have just been too big. We're doing too, too much, right? And maybe we need to scale down similar to what Andre is building, right? So we can almost guarantee that that affordability factor will be there. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think it's smart to think about that. If you think about what's happening in California, which in general, be over a span of 10 years starts to trend on a national level is that California has made it legal for you to build an ADU, made it much simpler to get a permit to build an ADU. Now homeowners can actually uh, separate that in their parcel and sell it if they wanted to. So imagine that this becomes a an option because there's a demand for it. Products don't come out of thin air. There's a demand for it. So tiny homes, there's also a high demand for it. I get a phone call from people that asking if they can use a construction loan to build homes with um, those carts that are used on trains. So I think the affordability factor, and I think someone feeling like they can create stability with their payment and own a property, even if it is small, um, maybe even classified as a single family residence or a half plex is much better than you know not buying at all. So yeah, I think it's an excellent strategy. It makes a lot of sense. And um, there are a lot of single people out there that are, there's people that are, they've had their children, they're ready to downsize. There's people that don't want the hassle of a big home. Uh, the big home really only makes sense when you have a big family or a large amount of people living in the property, which might not be the case for a lot of people, especially with numbers of new babies trending downward. So I think it's a brilliant strategy. Um, I think there'll be a lot of demand for it. And I think it's a, a solution in the problem of affordability. Hey, I got a question for you. You know, what about we got a single mother looking to buy a house? She has the credit. She just don't have the money. What type of uh, options do they have to help them with that, like down payment assistance? And is those for all those programs good to use or not? Because I know some are grants and some are like a second loan. So can you talk yeah. to us about that for the people that's looking? Of course. To buy small yeah. homes and don't have it? Yes. So for those of you that don't know, I'm a single mother. I've raised two daughters by myself uh, since 2012. I was married and divorced early and I had two children and I've purchased all of my real estate as a single mother. 
Um, so I, and not only that, I don't have any financial support from my ex-husband and I also raised my parents in that time frame. So nothing comes easy for, if you're a single mother and you're listening to this, my heart goes out to you. And I'm, I am every single statistic you could ever imagine. And I've been through all of that. So I, although I'm not a, uh, although I'm not a big fan of down payment assistance, I think it's an excellent tool for those that need it. We have a down payment assistance program that's available nationwide that gives you 5% of the sales price that you can use towards your down payment and closing costs. Now, the tricky thing with down payment assistance is that down payment assistance usually means a higher interest rate and there's a trade-off. So first-time homebuyers are not experiencing down payment assistance programs to where they never have to pay it back. These are additional loans. In some cases, if you qualify, there are grants available. And in some cases, there's an equity share element down the line. So if you are a first-time homebuyer and you are a single mother or not, and you need down payment assistance, I want you to realize that if you're depending on a down payment assistance program to fund the entire purchase, it's not the right time. If you can save at least $5,000 on your own, then you can leverage the programs and approach it. Because I have to tell you something, after you sign the papers and you get the keys, you have to furnish the place. You have to turn the lights on. You can't call a landlord. You've got to have a little bit of money in your pocket to A, furnish the place, and B, keep the lights on and keep everything functional. And home ownership in general costs more. So it's not just about getting in the door. But there are great programs across the country. If you're in the state of California, the California Dream for all program will come back. And there was a proposal by the Biden administration to create a national form um, of this down payment assistance program. Now, I have criticized the budget that was presented in that in that package. I don't think the budget is anywhere as big as it needs to be. And I don't even know if, get, if it will get approved. But down payment assistance, depending on the fine terms and your personal circumstances, just like with any lending option, is good if it helps but you have to make sure you have money in the bank on the way in. If there's someone that's talking to you about real estate and they're telling you, you don't need any money, zero money down. We got this grant and that gift and this is that if you're layering a bunch of different programs and someone is telling you that you could buy a house with zero money out of pocket, that I would run from that conversation as fast as possible. Take a more practical approach to it. Leverage down payment assistance to cover a majority of your closing costs and a portion of your down payment, but prove to yourself that you have the discipline to put aside $5,000 before buying a house or in some markets, $3,000 is sufficient because buying a house um, ends up costing you more than renting. So you want to make sure that you are ready for that. Um, but yes, down payment assistance is available. We also have a nationwide product that is available with 5% down from the sales price. And just so you guys know, you fabulous developers in Houston, I am licensed in Texas and would be happy to help you with your financing needs. Ooh, so real, real quick, but why, why are we talking about helping us with these financing needs? Real quick question. <laughs> um, do you help with the buy down programs, right? And can you kind of explain what does that look like for an investor who is looking to, you know, do new construction and then help the their sellers out with the buy down, buying down some of those points, what that look like. Yeah. So if you're a builder and you you are paying attention to what what has made builders successful in the in this year, what kept them afloat is massive concessions and incentives for buyers. So a buy down, if you've heard of a three two one buy down, a two one buy down, those are phrases for temporary buy downs. And if you've heard of, a, you know, just buy down in general, there's a permanent buy down where you can take money and buy down the interest rate for the term of the loan. So what does that mean? The seller funds that. 
So if I'm buying one of Chris Senegal's properties and he says that there's a $10,000 seller credit, builder credit, if you use their lender, that means they can control the situation. They know that you're approved. They know the deal is solid. They know that they can bet on it. You sign a contract and Chris decides to give you a $10,000 credit for a $275,000 purchase, right? Or maybe $375,000, whatever it is. Now we're going to take that $10,000 and you're going to have a few options. The first option is going to be to take that $10,000 and apply 100% of it towards your closing costs. So whereas you would have spent, let's say, 20 grand out of pocket or 15 grand out of pocket, now you've reduced that by 10,000 and you have $10,000 more left in your pocket when you're buying the house. So then you can use that extra money to do whatever you want with that, help cushion for your payments, um, buy furniture, whatever you want. Now, the second option would be to buy down the interest rate. Now, if you buy down the interest rate with a $10,000 amount, then you could save, let's say, anywhere from $100 to $250 a month on the mortgage payment. Now, the third option is to apply it to it as a temporary buy down. So if you take $10,000 and you divide that by 24 months, you can essentially have that money distributed towards your monthly payments and lower your payment by $417 a month over the next two years. Now, the reason why people have loved that option is because it makes them feel like they're paying less money towards their payment and have a lower interest rate. So you see the buy down sheet that says the interest rate today is seven and a quarter, but we're going to offer you five and a quarter instead, because paying that money towards the payment essentially nets a monthly payment that would have been similar to an interest rate of 5%. So the idea of a buy down is that for your personal circumstances, you'll calculate which method works is going to work best for you. And the money comes from the, from the seller. So whether it's a builder or not. So if you're talking to a lender, you don't say, or you say, Hey, can you, can you facilitate the buy down program? But the money comes from the seller. So if you're a builder and you're worried and concerned about activity being lower and you want to incentivize buyers, then you can offer them a concession or a credit that they can use towards a temporary or permanent buy down. It's proven to be a great strategy for builders in 2022, um, but it also does contribute to some of the other parts of the conversation that you're having, which is the pressure that builders are feeling. They do have to heavily incentivize to keep the properties moving in a high interest rate environment, but that strategy worked. Moving forward, as interest rates go down, we don't know exactly how builders will respond to that, but they did kind of create an appetite for these concessions with buyers. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in 24. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, so, Chris, real quick, quick question. Um, and then I want to um, reset real quick. Are you doing any uh, buy downs? Are you planning on doing that and implementing that strategy in your developments coming in the future? Um, so not anything I have in the future. I did have some students do that last year. So I stopped building new construction for the past two and a half years myself, but I did have some students that still wanted to do it. So we just went to real stable markets like Fifth Ward. Um, but yeah, I, I had them offer those options, uh, the three, two, one buy down. Um, I also make sure my mortgage lenders have a, a, a really good conversation with the buyers because a lot of times we don't think about outside of the coin, but I wanted the buyers to know that, hey, your interest rate is bought down this much the first year, a little bit less the second year, third year, less than that. After that, you know, whatever the interest rate is, it's going to go back up. If the market has not changed, interest rates are going higher, you're, you're, if you, may, you might not be able to refinance. So you make sure you can afford that long term. But it's definitely something that I put on the table for them. Love it, love it, love it. Well, here's the deal. So um, we, we, we're going to do a quick reset. Number one, listen, if you haven't already, just know that we do allow memberships. We just opened this up. This is a new thing. 
This is a brand new thing. So if you want to join the membership, the membership comes with all different types of perks uh, that we're going to be offering here. So definitely subscribe to the channel and get yourself a membership. We have the, the first package is the Trailblazer, right? Then we have the Visionary, and then we have the Legacy, which is the top tier membership. And that comes with all different types of incentives and, and, and discounts on merch and all of the different things. But listen, we got my guy Malachi in the building right now. Um, and also we got some Q and A's that I want to get kicked off as well, because it's a couple other things. And I want to add something else to this too. I want to get with Brittany and Kalani also on the sub tools, right? What does that look like moving into this next year? Right? Because I know there's going to be some opportunities for that. Matter of fact, I know for a fact that Brittany uh, is, is, is running into a lot of, uh, creative finance opportunity. So I definitely want to um, highlight that as well. But Malachi, before we even get into that, Malachi, are you in a position to speak to some of some of what you were talking about in the chat earlier? Are you in a position to speak? Let's see if we can get Malachi. Um, yeah, I said good morning. I can speak. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What did that mic sound good? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just trying to uh, trying to say in the chat. So y'all were talking about exit strategies, and and I just mentioned the Byron to to let people know. You know, a lot of the investors in the room uh, have jobs, regular jobs like me, and we have W twos. And don't forget, uh, our our bonus depreciation is still active, and it expires in twenty twenty six. But you can still take advantage of it uh, for exit to take cash flow uh, from taxes that you pay to the government. Uh, and just transport those and, and pay yourself, you know, for extra income. So say, for example, we're talking about new development. If you have a house that costs, you know, $200,000 to build or to buy, right now you can still take bonus depreciation on that. So that bonus depreciation should get you about 25% of the value of that home. So let's say that's $50,000. Uh, next year, we're going, we're down to 60%. 60% of $50,000, that's like a, you know, $30,000 tax deduction. And at a 20% tax rate, that's an extra $500 a month of cash flow, which is significant if you're holding a product. And it's just taking money that you would normally pay the government and using that for cash flow uh, for yourself. So don't forget about that when it's time to exit. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. Listen, yes, indeed, man. Listen, that is some valuable information. We're going to jump into the Q&A portion. So if anybody is interested, have some questions. Uh, it's a couple ways you can get those questions to us. Number one, you can do a super chat. You know what I mean? That's possible. You can also put that question in the chat like regular. And then you also, if you if you have a good camera and a good mic and you know uh, whatever, you can come good on audio. and yeah, good audio. You know, and you're ready to go. You know what I'm saying? We don't need nobody who 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 who's struggling to get ready. If you're ready to go, you can join in, ask your question live to these these phenomenal entrepreneurs and investors on the stage right now. That'd be dope. So uh, anybody that wants to do that, go ahead and join now. But before we do that, I want to talk to Brittany. I want to talk to Kalani on this new creative finance space that I believe, because I'm getting flooded with deals right now. Me personally, I'm getting a lot of activity in the space of creative finance opportunities where people are in pre-foreclosure right now. Right. So this is a this is a real thing right now. Pre foreclosure activity is spiked right now. Right. And uh, can you speak to number one, Brittany, 
what kind of opportunities you've been running across, right? And what do you anticipate happening in the market? And then if we can get Kalani to kind of piggyback off that, that'd be great as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm getting a little bit of a delay, so I hope you guys can hear me, but I'm running into just like a lot of folks who, and the deals I'm running into aren't necessarily pre-foreclosure, but there are people who need to move or need to get out of a situation or don't want to deal with the situation for whatever reason. Um, and I think the biggest question I always get is, well, how do you find these deals? And it's all about your network. Like y'all know, if you've heard me talk, I preach your network, your network, your network. Um, traditional realtors don't have a network to offload these deals because they don't work with a lot of investors um, or they just don't know how to structure it properly so that clients are comfortable coming in, taking these deals. Um, so I, we're seeing a lot. I'm seeing a lot of it. I'm seeing a lot of it. And it might be because I've put myself in those spaces. But I think it is also just an indication that there's a lot of um, distress in the market. Well, I won't say a lot. I think that's a dramatic. I think there's some distress in the market. And I think people are looking for alternative ways to exit their properties without having to write a check like we saw in 2008. A lot of people, if they wanted to sell their properties, they had to write a check to sell their properties, right? I think now um, with as much education as we have access to, there's an investor pool that is actively looking for these deals. And I think that if we were going to see something dramatic like 2008, the fact that we have more community that is equipped to come in, smaller investors equipped to come in and handle some of the distress would definitely make a big difference. Love it, love it, love it. Kalani, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I can add to a com from a commercial perspective for sure. I think there was um, a point in time in the commercial real estate space, you know, as a broker, where you were reaching out to sellers and you're talking about representing them and seeing if they're interested in selling and, you know, acquiring or offloading for them. And they didn't even want to pick up the phone and they would ignore calls and didn't even want to hear from you. Right. So if anyone's tried to deal with, you know, going direct to seller for multifamily in particular, Last year, it was two years, you know, before prior, I guess it was it was hard. Now they're calling back. They want to hear from you. Any offer right now is a good offer. So I would say um, if you're interested in the multifamily space, redial that list, re-engage with those sellers. It's a new, you know, day. Circumstances are different. The market is different. People are in um, more critical situations and have to make um very important decisions. They're at that moment, right? Where it's time to to figure out what we're going to do. How do I protect my investors? How do I protect myself? How do I stay around for a long time? So speaking to the commercial space in particular, I mean, they're they're calling back. Now is the time to to re-engage. And a lot of deals are happening, um, I would say creatively in the multifamily space as well. Um, deals are getting done. It's not a very standard buy and sell transaction or entity drop down or, you know, entity swap. That's not what's happening anymore. At this point in time, investors are injecting very critical rescue capital in exchange for LP and GP positions. And that's how multifamily deals are getting done. So I hope that adds some perspective from my lane. I love it. I know that, um, you know, and I, I hate to be presumptuous, but uh, I know that Chris uh, and B rule are working on a massive project and I would love to kind of, I don't know if I'm, you know, Chris, and you can share as much as you feel comfortable with sharing. Um, but I know you guys are working on a massive, I mean, deck a million dollar uh, 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 project. Um, I wanted uh, 
be rude to come on and speak to that, but I know that he's he's pulling you into that deal. Is, is that correct? Um, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. So uh, essentially, uh, Brandon Rule Enterprises and Integral Enterprises uh, were the collective awardee for a four hundred million dollar uh, affordable housing project here in the city with the City of Houston's Housing Authority, who I'm I'm already a partner with. Um, so they have me as the local minority development partner uh, coming in with whoever who they were going to choose to actually uh, run the project. But it's the it's the CUNY Homes uh, projects where George Floyd actually grew up. So they're taking it from a 330 unit high density, uh, low income community to over, almost 1200 units of mixed income housing, some commercial, and there's gonna be a, a home ownership component. I'm specifically gonna be over, it's gonna be like 120 new construction homes that will be for sale, where people that are on Section 8 with good credit can take their Section 8 vouchers and use them for mortgage payment. But we're creating homeowners out of one of the, 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 the lowest income brackets. Um, and these are the ones that, we see have the the ability to continue to work, uh, you know, get more financial stability, and eventually get off of Section Eight, so that we, we can rotate through that through this cycle again. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's a pretty big opportunity for a long term project. Um, probably six to eight years to get it complete, but we're, we're just just getting it kicked off now. Wow, that's absolutely amazing. And so, what's dope about that is that you know, uh, and and correct me if I'm wrong. So, what I'm hearing is going to be some market rate in there. It's going to be some uh, some housing in there. Some of, uh, but but not housing in the traditional sense. It's going to be more so for the working class uh, professional that is looking to, um, you know, get get a, get a, get a property. And plus, it's going to be some senior in there as well. Is that kind of accurate? Yeah, it'll be it'll be everything, and it, it'll be some deep affordability too, is what you're referencing. So yeah, the, I mean, a deep affordability doesn't mean anything. I mean, my bottom black project, I have people that pay five, fifty, seven hundred dollars a month. They work at Walmart, they work at Kroger's. They're in their sixties. They still hardworking people. They deserve an opportunity to live in somewhere nice too. So those buildings, um, it, 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 the units will look the same from the outside, from on, and on the inside. Some of them are just subsidized by federal funds, so you you can't tell who's paying full market rate rent and who's paying the affordable rents in these buildings. And you're right, there, there will be a section uh, set off for, for seniors as well. With, they're going to have more of the little cottage style homes with little front porches and back porches. We have a lot of input from the community on what they want to see done. And as long as we can get the funding for it, the, that's the goal to get all that stuff implemented. So real, real quick, on to speak on that funding, how do you get funding for something that massive, um, being that you know, you're just in the preliminary phase of the project? The, the great thing about doing these type of projects is is not raising capital. It's not going to get equity partners for these deals. It's the government is your partner for the most part. You got public private partnerships. Um, you have these 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 large grants that are in blocks of forty or fifty million dollars that the federal government gives to a, uh, probably less than ten developers across the country every year. It's highly competitive. Um, but you know the, the group we have has won several of those bids before. The the chairman of uh, well, the president and CEO of Integral, which is the, the the parent company, was actually the chairman of Fannie Mae, the entire organization, for five years and on the board for another five years. So it takes those those types of leverage, leveraging those type of partnerships um, to come in as development partner. And, you know, you do the, the heavy planning and operations and project management lift, and they do a good percentage of the funding lift. You still have to go out to get the debt and the loans, but it's a little bit easier to go uh, get the type of uh, loan that you need when you have that that type of capital stack put together with those resources from those different entities that are very credible and have strong track records love it love it love it so real, real quick we have malachi back because somebody did ask the question about the bonus depreciation 
How does that work for the average person who is looking to invest, but still has that nine to five, looking to just kind of pick up a couple more properties, but also take advantage of that? Uh, can you break that down a little bit further as to how that is practically implemented, Malika? I think you're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I said it's it's actually pretty simple. So, uh, if you're doing if you're not doing new construction. Uh, well, it's kind of the same in either way, but it's the cheap. Uh-oh, did we lose him? Okay, we'll get him back. We'll get him back. Okay. Let's go to Ice oh. real quick. Got Mr. Don on the stage. What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? This your topic right here, huh? Well, that's, that's one of the topics, yes. <laughs> What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on today's conversation? Well, listen, I thought the whole, the whole thing was was great. Um, I think one of the things that the, the metric that we wanted to add in is how to control interest costs and look at that as to lowering expenses as well. And where most people don't actually realize how, how much interest is actually saved when you can prepay on a mortgage uh, and save a ton of interest per dollar applied. So when you know that you can save a ton of interest on the back end, we're always looking at the front end. What can we do on the front end? What can we do here what, uh, and, and save money here? But the overall cost needs to be added into, overall interest cost needs to be added into whatever price you negotiate for the house. Mm. I have to show us how that's done. Just, okay, that might well, confuse some folks. Well, here's the thing. Let, let me do. Let me show you something. As far if, if you're looking at interest rates only, even on a hundred thousand dollar mortgage, all right, at at three um, percent, the bank wants fifty one percent of the money borrowed on a three percent loan, just like this. Okay, so. They want 51%, $51,776 total interest paid on this. At 4%, the bank wants 71% of what you borrowed in the form of interest. So interest rates have always been a liar. So on a $100,000 loan, the bank wants $71,871 in interest on a $100,000 loan at 4%. Folks, that's not 4%. So at 5%, the bank wants 93, 93%. So we're going to change that to 5% now. All right, calculate that at 5%. Now the bank wants $93,000 interest on a $100,000 loan at 5%. Look at that, $93,000 interest on a $100,000 loan. And let's just go all the way to 7 where the bank wants 139%, $139,000 interest on a $100,000 mortgage for 30 years. Calculate that out. Now we're looking at $139,508. So interest rates have always been a liar. What we need to be taking a look at as uh, consumers and investors, what the interest costs are on these loans and see how we can mitigate them. A hundred and thirty-nine percent interest rate. 
<laughs> well, no, it's 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 seven percent interest rate. Gotcha. But effectively, rate. effectively, you're going to pay back one hundred and thirty nine percent of what you borrow. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> there it is. Total interest paid as a percentage of principal. One hundred and thirty nine and a half percent. Wow. Interest rates wow. have always been a liar. Wow. So, so, so I hope you guys can kind of see that 139%. And I know Don is very effective at canceling a lot of that interest, regardless of what those interest rates are, because I know that Chris Senegal brought that up as well, is that, look, you know, just making some additional payments, right? And, and if you were to, if you really want to hyper uh, 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 attack that debt, you know, you definitely want to tap in we're done and, and figure out ways to kind of pay that off just dramatically faster, um, regardless of what your interest rate may be. Um, well, what we're, what we're really looking at is how to how to buy, how to get the house cheaper, not faster. Cheaper actually equates to to faster. So just for one example here, the median home price is actually four hundred twenty thousand across the country. Seven percent interest rate. I want to show you, here is the principal payment on this thing. We make the first principal payment here of $327.88. Interest cost is $2,333.33. The second month is $329. If I prepay the $329 in the first month where I make this mortgage payment, I subtract this $329 from what I owe, I'm paid down to line two on my amortization schedule in the first month. My next mortgage payment is actually on line three of the amortization schedule. I just saved $2,331.42 in interest by prepaying $329.79. That is a tremendous savings. You can't get that return in the stock market. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Listen, I know we had Malachi. We want to get him to kind of break down that, that bonus depreciation for the everyday folk who are looking to invest in them. I also want to get, if I can get Chris or Andre to speak on what does it look like for somebody looking to enter the development space, right? What are some of the, the, the things that they need to look into? And then we're going to get some, uh, some Q&A and a couple of final words from our guests. But uh, yeah, Malachi, are you available to speak on that bonus depreciation piece? Okay, bye. Yeah, I can. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, gotcha. So uh, average investor, basically, anytime you, you buy real estate, the government gives you depreciation, a tax deduction on it yearly. It's 27 years for residential real estate. It's 39 years for commercial real estate. But up until 2026, we can take a large piece of that, like 20 to 25% of the value of the property up front. Uh, so you get 80% of that bonus amount now is going down to 60% next year. So the average, average investor, you got a W-2, you're working a normal job, you're just going to shift income or shift taxes that you would pay to the government and pay that money to yourself. So if you buy a new house or you construct a home, you're going to go to an engineer or a CPA and get a, a, a study. It's going to be called a cost segregation study. It should cost you, you know, a couple thousand bucks. And that person is going to come in and break down your house into different components and basically say, this is how much you can take in bonus depreciation. It's going to be typically 20 to 25 percent 
of the value of the house. So again, let's say your house costs $200,000. That's going to be 25% of that of $50,000 tax deduction. So next year, you can take 60% of that deduction on your taxes. So that's a $30,000 tax deduction that you have. Normal tax rate, that would give you about $500 a year from cash flow, just from taxes. And anybody that buys and holds will let you know, you know, four or $500 a month on the door uh, is pretty good. It's, it's not a yearly thing, but it is a, a nice, large, upfront windfall. Now, if you're doing new construction, um, you don't technically have to have to pay them to do a comprehensive cost segregation study report because you already have all that the house broken down in every cost component. You know what you spend on it. So you can just kind of, kind of have them come in and bless your budget and, and say that everything is in the house, but you, you actually have real cost numbers uh, to give to the government to show what you paid for everything. So it's something real simple that everyone can do. Anybody should be taking bonus depreciation on the property that you have in, while this law is in the books. It's going to stop in 2026. And then after that, as far as cost control, you need to make sure you're fighting your property taxes every year. So less than 10% of the people in Houston actually go down and dispute their taxes, but they give you three opportunities to do that. Uh, I, I dispute them every year. I typically I got you know like 18 to 22% uh, reduction on every property this year. So you know once you're finished building something, uh, you know go down, uh, you know file a report with the taxing authority to try to get your cost basis as low as possible. They're going to send you a letter asking you, you know, what you paid for it. Don't tell them. Uh, you don't have to disclose that information to them. Uh, so, you know, just give them the lowest amount possible. Get that amount locked in on the books. And then every year when they try to decrease, try to increase it, uh, go in and fight it. And you got three chances to do that. And that cost control can also help your cash flow. Love it, love it, love it. Man, I wish I could play my horns on here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think the horn, my horn, work either. <laughs> yes, indeed. Listen, a couple. It was a couple questions that came in, and then I want to get with uh, Andre and Chris real quick, and then I, and then then our other uh, guest as well, because uh, it was a couple questions that came in. So, uh, Ice. So somebody was saying, so you really can cancel out interest by paying a month ahead, wouldn't you still owe? Them the interest is the question uh FTK put in the uh in the uh the, the, the chat that, there. That, that is an excellent that is an excellent question. So if we take a look at that amortization schedule that I showed before, and let's take uh, an example that I heard a few minutes ago. All right. Um, we're able, let's say you got ten thousand dollars in concessions, and I can take my ten thousand dollars and I could do a, quite a bit with it. Do you see where it says cumulative principal and cumulative interest here? Okay. So at the end of one year, I would pay this mortgage down by $4,063.23. That's all the principal payments added up. But if I add up all the interest payments for the same year, it comes to $27,000, $27,800 in interest. So if I, if I'm, um, I can pay this in 12 monthly installments or I could give this to the bank all at once on line one if I had it. If I paid, if wow. I paid the $4,000, okay, I'm paid down to right here in one month. So 
I skip all of the principal interest payments between line two and line 12. I'm paid down to here in one month. So if I make my mortgage payment in January, giving the bank all of this money up front in January, my February payment still is going to come around. But my February payment is now on line 13 of the amortization schedule instead of line two. Mm. So you're going to have a payment every month. You never get away from the payment. But what I'm doing is not saying um, you're going to reduce the amount that that um, your payment. What I am saying is that you're going to reduce the number of payments. My clients will pay instead of 360 payments. We're going to get that thing down to around 90 monthly payments instead of 360 Damn. payments. OK, by doing something like this, the payment never changes just the a number of payments and you'll be surprised at how little money out of your budget it takes to make this happen do you know i know people who have this kind of money sitting in the bank right now making one tenth of one percent <laughs> when i could put this on here and if i can if listen if i if if we did this if i could save twenty seven thousand dollars in interest by prepaying, um, by prepaying four thousand dollars, okay. And uh, so, if, uh, let me see. For um, twenty-seven thousand, let's see, twenty-seven thousand dollars divided by four thousand dollars equals, and multiply that by a hundred, folks. That's a six hundred and seventy-five percent return on your money. Damn. You've wow. got four thousand dollars sitting in the bank because you like looking at it and you could put it on this mortgage. You can't get six hundred and seventy five percent return on your money anywhere else that I know of in such a short. Period. Most people don't even know how to do this. I, you see, most, uh, so most people don't even do this. Well, see, here's the thing. ROI. If you if you just um, Google how to figure ROI, that's how I got it. I'm not a math person. I'm not good at math. I just asked Google, how do I figure ROI? It says, okay, what's your investment? What, what is your return on the investment? Divide that into your return and then multiply by 100. So that's how you figure okay. ROI. Just click it in there. And, and, but most people are unaware because I don't know of an investor anywhere. I don't know of um, a consumer anywhere that has had a class on how this amortization schedule actually works. And we've had self-amortizing mortgages since 1936 with virtually no education on how the thing actually works. But once we know how it works, we can make it work to our advantage. I love it. I love it. Listen. Definitely appreciate we, that. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Listen. Man, shout out to my guy AO in the building too, man. You know, that's definitely one of our, you know, mentors in the, the podcast space for sure. Uh, so definitely want to give him a big shout out um, as well. Man, thank you for tuning in. So here, here's the deal. Uh, Andre, we got Andre, we got Chris Senegal. I definitely want to get their take on anybody who is looking to enter the development space. What does that look like? What are some of the things that they need to kind of position themselves to look out for as they enter this space? Legend, Chris, you want to go first, Legend? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll start it off. Um, 
So number one, get a mentor. Find somebody that's actually doing it. Um, find a way to invest with them on the deal. Bring them a lead on some land. Bring some value some type of way um, and learn from them. This is not something you can go get a textbook and read about. Um, I wouldn't even trust YouTube or anything like that. Um, I do have a curriculum uh, that I created called No Flips. So it's no Flip Society. We, we, we don't need to be just recycling old stuff. We need to be rebuilding, creating new communities, developing um, in our communities. Um, I have a couple projects now where students that own land that want to subdivide it. I'm selling to other students that want to learn how to do the process. I'm bringing in my architects, my engineers, my contractors, everything. Um, they're getting qualified with loans through my lenders. So they're basically learning the whole new construction process and watching the development of the raw land converted into a small subdivision um, all in-house. Um, I'm doing a project with, with Brittany where she's, she's doing the same thing here in Houston. Andre, you're a part of that as well. Um, so yeah, just get around the people that are actually doing the work. Um, and like, you know, if you want to follow me, mine is noflips.com. Just go to noflips.com and you can get started. Um, but yeah, for, work with people that are actually doing the work. Love it. Yeah. Andre. The best. Um, the, the legend, the best. Um, people who pay, pay attention, right? Being in this room, pay for this room. All right. Um, no, this is an amazing platform and we have to pay these guys to be in this room on um, the information that they're given. So uh, another thing that we, yes, the real estate does is with us just starting new construction last year with the, that Charmette's property and 2024, we have around 25 new construction coming on the market. The reason why we was able to accelerate our learning growth is because we paid the play. We pay for mentorship. And here's another thing that I'm telling my students this is that if you're not going to fire me, then I'm not doing you a great job. So as we bring people in, we mentor them, we, we are preparing them to fire the Yes to Real Estate team so they can go off and start their own journey. So we are equipping them with the right architect, the, the structure engineer, right? Um, the replat team, right? And the contractors. Because once you get the intellectual property, you still have to go out and meet the contractors. And the contractors one of the most challenging finding uh, building your product. So as you graduate from our program, we connect you with the same uh, electrician, the same plumber, right? The same HVAC team that we're using. We give it to you after you graduate out of our program because we want to equip you with their intellectual property and the team so you can make an informed decision to go to the next level. Um, just like Chris, we, we have a course, um, yesterrealestatecourses.com, to where we teach you how to do new construction and we we give you the connections of the plumbers and electrician because you need both. You need the intellectual property, you, you need the know-how, but also you need to equip yourself with the right people who's going who's going to give you the product that you need to build to uh to take you to the next level. Love it, love it, love it. Man, that's that's amazing. And just for anybody who is interested in knowing, I have started um, a construction company. And so if anybody, and it's not me, just, just me by myself, but I partnered with somebody who has over 20 plus years in the field and he's a legacy builder, meaning his dad did it and his uncles did it. You know what I mean? So I, I'm starting that. So if anybody wants a trustworthy builder, uh, here in the Houston uh, Metroplex, definitely reach out because we're going to be building and we're building at probably the, 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 some of the most competitive prices and we have the highest level of integrity. We're not the company that you got to worry about, uh, you know, looking over your shoulder 
every five minutes because 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 you know the contractor had done something goofy or or, or done something un unscrupulous. So definitely reach out if you are interested in doing new development and want to utilize our team. But yes, listen. We have had a phenomenal conversation and I just want to thank everybody who has participated in this particular conversation. And I know that we have just a bunch of brilliant minds. I want them to be able to give us some last words uh, before we head out, uh, because this, you know, listen, it's a lot going on in the market. Uh, if you are looking to invest in this market, please take heed to the information that's shared today. You cannot be an untalented investor in this market and then expect to survive. This is not the market for somebody to come in and play real estate investor. This is not that market. I'm just being real with you. I'm just being real with you. So you definitely want to make sure that you're in rooms like this. If you haven't, make sure that you join our membership. A lot of perks are going to be coming with that if you are interested um, you know, because listen, we ain't taking the money and doing nothing, but, but growing the platform, bringing on better guests, different things of that nature. So we can bring more value to the community, not just to you guys, but to ourselves as well. I learn every time I step foot on this platform. That's the reason why I'm so excited about being here and collaborating with other talented entrepreneurs in the space. Oh, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, man. So we keep talking about how to, how to get wealthy. So tonight on Trending Tuesday, 7.30, I'm sorry, 8.30 p.m. Central, we're talking about wealth. I mean health. It's important for us to be healthy as we begin to build wealth. So tonight at 8.30 Central, we got uh, Lowe's coming. We're going to have a good time, man. So make sure y'all join. Uh, make sure y'all join the membership as well because we're trying to bring a lot of value to y'all. We're trying to keep this thing going. So uh, that's about it. Anybody else? Uh, got your last Yeah, we got yeah, to get some last words from Patty, from Kalani, from... Yeah. Let's, let's go with Miss Brittany first. Any final words? So Chris had said something and and I want to double down on it because you the, I think one of the questions was like, how do you get into development or how do you start? And Chris was saying like, you, you find a deal, you bring a deal. And I hear it so often, like that's such a common question. And I want to just double down that if you can find a deal and you can find a network that is willing to help you, if you have a deal, you'll have a network that's willing to help you. That is really the best first step to get into development. Because if you have the money, but you don't have the experience, you're going to fail. And if you don't have anyone who's willing to help you, you don't bring any value to the table. You, you're kind of sitting in, the, in a sitting duck in the water. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but y'all know what I'm saying. So I just wanted to double down on that point for anybody who wants to get started in development, go find a deal. And that is the best way to get started. Love it. Love it. Love it. Kalani. Yeah. First of all, thank you guys for inviting us and inviting me back. It's always a pleasure to um, be here with you guys. This is probably the most entertaining, uh, stage to speak on in the space. So we thank you for that. Um, and I guess any closing words, again, take the emotion out of it, stick to your numbers. And if it's okay, I'd just like to say any women that need further support, we have a women in real estate networking challenge that starts today. It's completely free. doesn't cost you anything. Hit wirechallenge.com for more information and hopefully we'll see you there. But thank you guys so much and for being friends and supporters of women in real estate. Thank you. Appreciate you. Let's go to Andre. What you got, man? Yes. First of all, guys, I'm signing up for the highest membership. This That's how much I believe 
in this platform and this product, right? And number two, being in the room matters. Representation matters, right? People who pay, pay attention. And, and to encourage the millions of people who's watching and listening, this is your season to shine. You've been waiting. You've been waiting on a message. You've been waiting on the word. Well, you heard the word this morning. Fresh manna from heaven. Take the opportunity. Go and shine. This is your season. Take what is yours. You are divine and destined for greatness. Go get it. Love it. I love that. I needed that. Good energy. You got ice with us? Yes, sir. I'm right here. Listen, folks, uh, I, I've been a, a, um, an investor in the wealth community for, I think, what, over a year and a half now, uh, uh, Byron? And yeah. Uh, yes, okay. so, so, yeah, every month I, I'm supporting that. Um, and because I believe in what you guys do, no stingy energy. I mean, I have learned so much from your room. It would be criminal not to invest in what you guys are doing. So I've been a supporter for over a year and a half now. I want to continue to be a supporter. Um, but if, if somebody wants more information about what I do, we have a ton of free information on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube um, and uh, uh, search for Pill Method. And we have over two years worth of videos. And our videos aren't 15 minutes. Our videos are an hour. We're packed with information on how you can mitigate interest costs on all of your debt, not just mortgages. So, uh, so that's that's going to be the last word. Control your interest cost while you're doing these other deals. Love it, love it, love it, Miss Patty. You with us? Uh oh, you're on mute. I am. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> yeah. So I want my, for my outro i want to just clarify that i am very optimistic about 2024 being a phenomenal year um i'm definitely going to be targeting more than you know a 50 percent growth in my own business and that is heavily dependent on interest rates going down i do believe that interest rates will continue to improve they've already gone down one full percent since october so i am optimistic about 2024 I just want you guys to know that this article that came out that sparked this room and sparked this conversation about the Fed confirming that they're going to be cutting rates six times next year. I had I took an issue with the verbiage on that. So there is a there's a very large chance that rate cuts could begin in March, but there's an 89% chance that the rate cuts are going to start closer to the summer. Rate cuts at the Fed level help borrowing costs for institutions, for banks. Right. So we're going to see the benefit of mortgage rate improvements prior to rate cuts starting. As long as the market continues to predict rate cuts at the Fed level, mortgage rates will continue to improve. And you're going to see some activity um, shifts that are going to take place here, especially going into the spring year, which I think so the spring season, which is going to be hot and heavy. So I think builders are going to do well. I think real estate agents are going to do well as long as lawsuits don't you know, spoil that party. And I think mortgage bankers are going to do well. But most importantly, I think home buyers are going to have access to properties and they're going to be able to buy homes and they're going to see the benefit of improved interest rates. And 
I, as many of you guys know, who've heard me speak many times, I'm a strong advocate of home ownership. I believe that it is one of the only ways that many of us have to build generational wealth. And there's some statistics on that that I shared on my last newsletter that went out Monday. It goes out every Monday. It's completely free. Um, it's pattygoodspeed.com forward slash newsletter. And basically what I talked about is what percentage, how significantly different the net worth is of homeowners versus renters. So homeowners generally have about 40% more wealth than renters. And I want you to know that that proportion of wealth that is generated by homeownership is significantly higher in lower income households. So if you're already rich and you've got money in the stock market, you've got money in other projects, and you also have a house, that house has, is a, has a less significant impact on your overall net worth. But if you're a low income household, then that house has a massive significant impact on your wealth and the trajectory for your future. Home ownership affordability is not poised to get any better. Home ownership is not going to get any easier because as rates drop, prices will increase. And you're going to see that home prices, along with the prices of goods and services, will continue to be expensive because inflation is not solved at the root level. So home ownership is important. Go after it. If you need any help, I've been a mortgage banker for 21 years. I'm happy to assist you. And we have massive incentives that we provide for anyone that comes through the BOB family. Um, again, my name is Patty Goodspeed. I'm available on all platforms, licensed across the nation, and I look forward to serving you. Love it, love it, yes, love indeed. it. Man. Yes, indeed. I think we just got Chris left, man. Chris, you still with us? I'm here. I'm here, brother. What's your final words for us? All right, man. man. I just want to give y'all your flowers, man. Y'all been consistent with this thing and growing it significantly. Uh, I, I see the following. I, I see the commitment that it takes to, to pull something like this off. I can barely wake up this early in the morning once a month. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is great, man. I just want everybody to know, to uh, piggyback off of, uh, damn, using that word piggyback, uh, Patty and Don, um, man, interest rates, don't let that control the conversation. Uh, interest rate is, let's put it in layman's term, what you are paying someone else to use their money. That's all it is. So like Don was saying, and when you buy something, the the less you cut down every month on what you still owe that person the less interest you will pay because you're paying towards the principal the original amount of money you took from them so just keep that in mind whenever you're moving forward have that nest egg pay a little bit more on the payments every month if you can buy something a little bit below your budget so that you can make extra principal payments versus letting all of that extra go towards interest that just you blindly giving it to whoever you took the money from so that's that's my final words i hope everybody takes some got some good information out of this conversation today Love it, love it, love it. Man, this was a phenomenal conversation, man. I just want to say I appreciate, number one, all of the special guests that came and added a tremendous amount of value uh, this morning. And listen, you know, this is just the beginning. We're really trying to ramp this thing up, you know. Uh, so so, so that's, that's the game plan. So that's why we have the memberships. Uh, again, because, you know, unfortunately, but fortunately, YouTube is a little bit more expensive to run a quality show <laughs> than <Indeed>. Clubhouse. <laughs> It's a little bit more expensive on this side of the fence. Just keeping it real. <laughs> you know what I mean? We got all kind of expenses on this side. So yeah. if, if you feel obliged to help us out with some, you know, just with some of those expenses, please jump in and help by getting a membership. And uh, we will continue to bring high level conversations just like this on a consistent basis as we have for the last couple of years now. Right. Oh, um, yes, yeah. indeed. Yes, indeed, man. We need 26 of y'all to hit that like button, man. We need to get to 100, man. Show us some support. And again, we will be here tonight, 830. 
Central Standard Time talking about health. Again, health is important. A lot of us lacking health. Black community has the worst health. So we all need to uh, take a, take a uh, part of the conversation tonight. Let's see how we can get our health on point. And, um, and that's it, man. We're going to see you all tonight. 8.30 p.m. Central on Trending Tuesdays, man. We're excited. Excited. Make sure y'all join the membership. We'll see y'all tonight. Peace. What's up, y'all? So most people struggle with sales. A lot of us in real estate, and we struggle with our sales. We struggle with follow We struggle with leads. And we're just basically missing out on deals. For me, I just got on Taskify CRM. They send messages out for you. And look, a lot of us have work. When you get off of work, you have hot leads ready for you. Make sure you check out Taskify CRM. I'm telling you, it automatically replies for you. And look, it sends you multiple messages. Like we're talking about drip, drip campaigns, so you're not missing up on the lead follow-up. So make sure you check out Taskify CRM. Use coupon code NOSTINGENERGY to get 10% off. I'm about to show you all inside my CRM so I can see how it really works. Make sure you check it out. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,